We've been looking at the book of Colossians, this letter that Paul wrote, you know, so many hundreds of years ago to early Christians and realizing it's just the same to be a Christian now as it was to be a Christian then. The culture may be different, clothes we wear might be different, but people are people and it's not easy to live by faith and we need help along the way. And so Paul was an advisor. He was someone who had gone before them. He's a little bit more mature in the faith than them. He had learned things, so he's trying to pass things on so that they can know how to stand up for their faith in their area. And so this one word that has been repeated a few times in the first chapter as we've been looking at other things has stood out to me, and I've kept waiting. Like, when can we go back and talk about the word proclaim? Because it's such a cool word. We want to proclaim our faith, proclaim the gospel, proclaim God's love. And then... My brother, Sean Brennan. Sean, put up your hand for those who might not know you. said, I need to be baptized. Let's make this happen. And I thought, well, there is a proclamation that we need to focus on. So let's look at the word proclaim on the week that our brother steps forward to proclaim his faith in this way. So what I have is essentially one thought, a simple thought that I'd like to share about proclaiming our faith to lead into Sean and David coming forward and uh, celebrating baptism. And I'll let them explain more about it, but you'll see how the gospel is what this is all about. And this is how I want to start, how I want to explain, how I want to introduce us to the thought for today to lead into the real main event for today. I am not the main event, so this is not me in the spotlight, Hal. <laughs> Twisting me. That's the spotlight. Jesus is the spotlight. Here's the thought. There are so many wonderful things you could say about God that aren't the gospel. I'll say that again. There are so many wonderful things you could say about God that aren't the gospel. You can say God is all-powerful, and this is such an important true statement, but it's not the gospel. You say God has love. God is love. That's totally true. We live by this, and he has mercy, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is actually bigger than those things. Those things are small little pieces of the gospel. The gospel is bigger. You could say God is so kind in how he restores me. I, I've been low and he's brought me back. Like, all right, we're getting closer still, but God's kindness and his mercy, that alone is not the gospel. Those are like lesser proclamations. The great proclamation is the gospel that God sees the mess that the world is in, despite the fact that he made it great. He sees the problems, and he says, I will come to you. I will seek you out to restore you and to fix these problems, this sin problem. And so I give you my son, my prized possession, the best thing in my life, my child, my firstborn son. He will die for you for your sins. And he's not just going to die and then be gone. He's going to give you his spirit so you can keep living with that same power that Jesus had. In those four elements, there's God, there's sin, there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That is the full gospel. So we could say a lot more about the gospel, but you cannot say less. You cannot say less than that. Because try to take one of those four out and see what you end up with. If you take out God, if there is no God, well then... Jesus is crazy. He said he was God. He talked about a God, so he's not who he said he was. So he's got to be God. And if there's no sin, if there's no problem, we don't need God. 
So the gospel needs the bad news before we're ready to hear some good news. So this is why people who've had the hardest time in life are sometimes the most ready to turn to God, because they've seen how bad it can get. So if you don't have sin, you don't need saving. But then we're not going to save ourselves, so you've got to have Jesus. You've got to have Jesus step in. He's got to be the sacrificial lamb. Because everyone who's stuck in sin, whether you're stuck in addiction, on the road to recovery, whether you can't fight this short temper that you've got that just unloads on everyone around you, you know how hard it is to just stop being the way you are. That doesn't happen. We don't just stop being the way we are. We need help. So without help, then it's just a self-help plan, and you're really left with just yourself at the end of this. It's got to be Jesus, but if he dies and rises and goes back to heaven, then everybody's still just on their own again. It's no different than it was before. The Holy Spirit has got to be in the picture, otherwise it's not the full gospel. Many churches, to our like own, uh, I don't know, criticism, whatever the right word is, we leave the Holy Spirit out of the salvation story. There's God, there's sin, there's Jesus. Go get him, tiger. Well, who's going to give you the wisdom you need when you've got to make that big decision? Who's going to give you the peace that you need? You just hope that you can muster? Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? That's very American, but that's not very Christian. Christians, we rely on God, and He gives us His Spirit to do all the things. All the miracles come through the Holy Spirit. All the wisdom comes through the Holy Spirit. All the power, all the joy. So if we're missing those things, it's because we're not full. We're like an empty cup. Right? So it's filled with sludge, gets cleaned out, and then filled with living water. We've got to be filled with something. So there's lots more you could say about the gospel. But you cannot say less than God, sin, Jesus, spirit. You can't. That's the gospel. So that's why the wonderful things we say about God, oh, he's powerful. Yeah, but it's not yet the gospel. This is why the statement, God is love, is both so amazing and so limiting. God is love. That means so many different things to so many different people. It doesn't help you to say that. And it is true. But what if God's version of love is just like, oh, it's, everything's fine. Well, then that's not the gospel either. Because everything's not fine. And why would he let his son die if everything was fine? So God is love isn't yet the gospel. We need to proclaim the gospel. We need to proclaim not all the lesser proclaimings. And you can start with them. They can be like doorways into the great proclaiming. Talk about God and how he's, he's powerful or how he's helped you in a certain situation because you couldn't do it on your own, just like Jesus did for us. And if it wasn't for the Spirit, then it would never happen. Like, you can bring it to the great proclaiming from the lesser ones. But don't settle for the lesser ones. We're not just celebrating in baptism that God has a kind heart or that God is very strong or that God's very knowledgeable. Even if it's all knowledge, all power, all strength, all, it's still not just that. It's way more. So our brother, when he comes up in a few minutes, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have the help you needed. And if it wasn't for your own sin, you would never realize how much you need him. And if it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be stuck in what you realized was bad, but you're not. But from here forward, you're not on your own anymore. Yeah, church family, but we're like secondary support. The Holy Spirit is what you live on. That's your power source. That's what fuels you. That's why you wake up in the morning with an idea. And you go and do it, and something good happens because that idea was given to you from the inside. Not from a sermon, not from, a, from you. You and God. That's the gospel. It's way better than just God loves you. It's more than that. It goes further than that. 
So I would like to read a section from Colossians 1, just because we've been talking through it. And I just want you to see if you see the full gospel. And, and I hope this kind of like perks your ears up. When you read the word gospel in the Bible now, it's not just Jesus died for our sins. It's this bigger thing. And you'll see Paul, he clearly knows the gospel very well. He gives the full four elements that have to be there as he's explaining it to these early Christians. Let's make sure we proclaim the full gospel whenever we're talking about our faith. So I'm going to read. You can just listen along if you'd like. If you want to follow in your Bible or on your phone or an app, feel free. It's Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read 19 through 29. And then skip over a couple of verses in chapter 2, talk about baptism, and tie it right in. So, here it is. Hear the gospel through Paul's words. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, we, who were once alienated and hostile in our mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in your faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of this gospel which you heard, which has been proclaimed, there's the word, happens twice in here, proclaimed, the gospel which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I'm going to keep going, but if we stop right there, you see there's fullness of God, there's sin reconciled, once we're apart, Jesus brings together, Jesus has done this for us, that is the gospel, he's giving it all, and he does it again. Verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So him we proclaim. Jesus we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this I toil. And here's the Holy Spirit statement. The fourth element. He didn't leave it out. He got there. For this I toil. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. All of his dynamis. Dynamis. Dynamite. All of his energy. It's literally the Greek word for it. All of his dynamic energy that he's working within us. So Paul describes all that, and in Colossians 2.12, he goes on, he ties it into baptism. So I'm just going to read those verse, two verses there and tie them in. He says, so having been buried with Jesus in baptism, so that's what baptism is about, it's about burial and new life, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So you see how Paul ties it in? He says we've actually been given a symbol, a way to tell the full gospel story, this restoration story. There's the bad news. Bad news is we're stuck. Bad news is we're not going to be good enough for what's going to be asked of us. We're not sufficient. 
We may not be fully evil going around murdering people, but we are certainly not perfect. And perfect is what God asks us for, to come into his presence, because he's perfect. So the distance from evil to perfect and from like mediocre to perfect is still uncrossable. The gospel is that Jesus does that for us. And those are the four elements. So ultimately, if you're going to try to put it into a nutshell, keep losing our light and gaining our light. I don't know, maybe the thing's getting bumped or something. But um, ultimately, it's all about restoration. And so here's what I want to tie it all together. This last thought. Hang on to this with me, okay? Restoration is the theme of the gospel. What do I mean by restoration? Restoration is like you were together and then you're apart. But then you're together again. That's a gospel arc. How about with sickness? You were healthy and then you got sick. But then you got healthy again. Restoration. There's the good, and then there's the sin, then there's the restoration. These are gospel arcs. This is the pathway with fear. You were unafraid, and then something happened, and you just became afraid. But then you became unafraid again. Restoration. This is what God does for us on the spiritual level. Level With Adam and Eve at the beginning, like people were fine, but their sin and all of ours means we're not fine. We were good. We're not good, but we can be made good again. And that kind of meta story plays itself out in all the areas of our lives. In marriages, they can be good, but then they can go bad. But they can become good again. In healing moments, we can be healthy and we can get sick, but God can heal us to become healthy again. God steps in, he restores, because God, sin, Jesus, spirit, the gospel is good news, but it's not just like good information, it's the good solution to our problems. The biggest problems about eternity, but also the smallest ones. We can have money, and then we can lose all our money, and then God can restore money to us again. And when we're in the middle, that's where our faith is getting tested. Before, it's easy, but then we see it afterwards. Our faith is stronger. God did the big story in this specific area of my life. So many of us go from having clean consciences to having guilty consciences. But God's forgiveness means we can have clean consciences again. This is beautiful. And this is more than just God is love. God is the solution for the problem. So the gospel, we call it good news. That's kind of a good translation of euangelion, that original Greek word, good news. But it's not good news like, here's a newspaper. That's, it's not that kind of news. It's good news like, here's the antidote. Right? You pick up the newspaper and you see information. That's how a lot of people treat God and the gospel. Okay, God's out there. I kind of get it. I know about him. But the people who really believe are like, God is the answer. He's the solution. Not just that he's loved, but he loves me. And he loves everyone. And he's willing to take us from death to life. He's willing to restore anybody, no matter how bad they've been, because he's bigger than all of that. It's a restoration story. It's a solution to our sin problem, as well as many of the smaller problems. But what you may find, and Sean, what you may find in the years to come is that 
when you recognize that God has given you the sin solution, the other problems in life pale a little bit in comparison. They can be big, and they can be important, and they can be heart-wrenching, but you know in the big umbrella that the big story is taken care of. And so we win some, we lose some in the lesser arcs, the lesser struggles, but you know your soul is taken care of, and that's all the confidence you need to go up and down and up and down through life. And one phrase that I heard once from a preacher, which I'll repeat to you this morning, um, it can be good again. I feel like that's such a powerful statement. It meant a lot to me when I heard it. And if you can remember that, in the times where it's not good, we tend to lose hope. You know, it was good and oh, all is gone. It's lost. It's ruined. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Those are temporary states with God. And nothing's impossible for him. So it may be bad now, but it can be good again because the gospel is a restoration story. It's a solution. God takes us through things. They're good and they're bad, then they're good again. And the two clearest symbols he gives us, the ways we can participate are baptism and communion. And today we get to do both, one after the other. So it is, it's all the great proclamations and all the ways that we're given to celebrate them with all the people that we love to celebrate and proclaim Jesus and this whole gospel story with. So baptism, we have our former self, we go under the water, we're cleansed, and we come back up new, right? It's the restoration story. Communion, the world is lost in sin, Jesus comes. God becomes flesh, and he restores us. We are given new life, the ability to go from good to bad to good again. So I hope that we'll take the opportunity to proclaim the gospel the great proclaiming, not just the lesser ones. When you're talking to friends and family, don't just tell them about how God has fixed all your problems and made everything better and God is good and God is all-powerful. Talk about the ups and the downs of a life of faith. Because the downs just remind us so much of how good God is because when he restores us and carries us through, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, those things, we appreciate him so much more on the other side. He's not just good and it's not just easy. He's the solution for when it's not easy and for when it's broken. So I'm excited for you and proud of you taking this step. And we'll be so excited to see what that Jesus and then Holy Spirit, those last two things, what they mean to you, how they work their way into your life and how they play themselves out. And I encourage all of you to be praying for Sean in these days and months ahead. This is a new thing that's beginning. And... Uh, so yeah, I'm going to invite Sean and David to come forward um, to actually celebrate this together. Got a microphone here we can use for you guys, and I'll hand it off to you, brother. Yeah, um, I'm going to say a, a couple of words while he gets ready, but um, beautiful way to represent what the gospel is in such a simple way. It goes deeper than that, but it's yeah, it's God's sin, and without the bad news, we don't have the good news. And in the, in the proclaiming part, um, I think when we think of the ordinances, the two things we do as followers of Jesus to proclaim him, his gospel, baptism, and communion, they have something in common that sometimes we think of the sin problem, and then we think of the solution, just Jesus, but what is this specific thing that happens? And that's when these symbols come and really gives us the real 
like what was the solution he provided. And that's where we get the cross. That's we, we have to talk about the death of Jesus to be able to proclaim the gospel clearly and fully. Why does this man, God in the flesh, had to die? And that's what these things kind of proclaim to us what really happened. And why did Jesus have to die? There was no way for him to, or for us to be with him because of what they've said of his perfection, his holiness, his set apart. Sin cannot live in his presence. And the only way that, it's, it's kind of ironic, the only way to get that perfection is through a payment. And because sin required death, that's not just physical, but spiritual death. And only him, only God, only truly perfect, only truly, you know, pure, was able to take on this sin and actually completely put it down. And that's why the proclamation involves death. The death of God in a way, but not staying dead. He came back to life to show that he has the power over death. So I'm going to invite my brother here. And in, and in these beautiful ordinances, you can, you can come stand right here. Oh, you're going to keep your socks? Okay, thank you. Sorry. I, yeah, nope. Yeah, just stand right there. Um, actually, can we move this thing? Yeah, let's just, just take it out. Thank you so much. So why don't you stand right here, brother? Go in, go in the top. And actually, let's, let's sit you down completely. Go sit down check for the phone and so what my brother Sean here is is doing is proclaiming exactly that he's saying yes to dying with Jesus he's saying as Jesus you did it now I don't have to die but in a way spiritually he's saying the old Sean doesn't live here anymore he goes down into the water dying with Jesus and when he comes up, he's new creature with Jesus. It's a celebration, family. This is a, a beautiful moment. And I want you to, as he goes down and he comes up, to really celebrate it. This is a joyous moment. Jesus is celebrating with us. Brother, are you willing to give your life to follow Jesus? Yes. Yes. Because of the profession of your faith, would you wish to be baptized? Yes. Ah, this is beautiful. So, Lord, this is for you. This is proclaiming you. And in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. It's, it's, it's such a privilege and a joy to be able to just celebrate these things. Um, I've had the privilege to 
get to know Sean and it's pouring out of himself, all of it. Jesus working. One thing I will say, we're going to transition from one ordinance to the other, both proclaiming the same thing. Remember, he went down, death came back to life. We're going to do the same thing in, in, a, in a couple of seconds. But I wanted to say something that I, this is more like a, like a little tiny teaching in between. Um, we don't believe because of what the Bible teaches that Sean was safe at the moment that he came back from that water. No. He, before deciding to make this step of obedience, he already had said yes to Jesus. Jesus already touched his heart. He already had come back to life, regenerated. All of it happened prior to this. This is the, what kind of like comes after you repent from your sins and you say, yes, Jesus, I follow you. And in that moment, he saves you. He completely seals you. And then the next step is normally baptism. But I want to say something. We do not believe in baptismal regeneration. That means that he didn't come back to life because he got into that water. Something happened in between him saying yes to Jesus and, and baptism. He goes to heaven with the, with the Father because of what Jesus did. So the water has no magical powers. It's just a symbol. I just want to say that because sometimes we, you know, we might believe that and Maybe someone here today has said yes to Jesus and they're worried that, you know, if something happens before they get the chance to get baptized. No, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're indwelled by it before you get baptized. There's actually, this probably will be a sermon in, in itself, but there's a thing that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is we don't know exactly the time, but at conversion, when God seals us, there is a baptism of our soul into the Holy Spirit. And that's how we're filled with it. It's not, and I don't want to get, you know, talk about what this means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But the fact is, is that you in that moment are sealed. That's the, that's where you are. A new creature right in that moment. But then we get to do this. What he was feeling inside, he proclaimed hourly. So everyone. So baptism is, it's public. It needs to be done and normally with your family. So I just wanted to say that. Um, it's always good to, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good for us to, I was raised Catholic, um, we have people that come from different denominations, we, we have a mixed match of things here, but this is a beautiful thing, forget about what theology says, it's just, I think it's right to say, because I don't want people to believe things that actually hurt them, so... Uh, whenever anybody's ready, please come talk to me today. If, when you want to take the step of obedience, it's a beautiful thing. It signifies it is important. It's not just like, ah, I'll get baptized. No, it's like, it's, it's, it's like a wedding day. You know, it's just like, oh my goodness, why wouldn't you want to celebrate this in front of everybody?